Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the the first our, our first installment in a new series of uh, quick updates. We're calling it uh, Quick News. Yep. So pretty much what we're going to do with Quick News here is this is going to be the time when we either do follow-up on stories that have come in the past or if there are smaller stories that don't require such a, a large amount of time that we just want to bring to you quickly without waiting for uh, us to have time to sit down and record. So uh, let us know how you feel about quick news. Let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover in quick news. And uh, Anthony, I guess, uh, take us away with the first topic. All right. So uh, the for, for the beginning of this quick news, I wanted to start us off with some good news. And that is that Nina Turner is absolutely dominating in the polls in okay. her current race. Okay. Uh, this is important because Nina is a progressive champion. She was the national co-chair for Bernie Sanders' 2020 campaign. And uh, she's really just going to be a, a progressive fire breather. We need somebody like, uh, if you remember the Tea Party, how much... Uh, how much uh, like the Republican establishment hated the Tea Party? Yeah, we need somebody like that, but on the left, willing to draw these hard lines and to fight for us as hard as you know Nancy Pelosi fights for her corporate donors. So that's why I'm really excited about this. And actually, a little bit of funny news: yesterday, Hillary Clinton endorsed Nina Turner's top rival, and uh, today, Nina Turner posted that this was the second best campaign like. Uh, uh, fundraising day of her campaign since like the first day of her campaign so hillary clinton's endorsement is like literally the kiss of death that that must hurt for hillary clinton i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie <laughs> well she's still butthurt about 2016 exactly exactly <laughs> so trying to come out of that and being like all right i'm gonna endorse someone else and then as soon as you endorse them like you immediately tank their campaign dude this happened uh in 2020 with uh jamal bowman she endorsed elliot angle the guy he was running against mm -hmm. and he like just d disappeared the man just went he dipped down in the polls jamal bowman had a wonderful fundraising day i think for Bowman, it was actually the most successful fundraising day of his career, or of his campaign. Nina Turner, it was just the second best mm. day. Hillary Clinton needs to stop endorsing people. <laughs> Hillary Clinton needs to uh, leave the public stage. Um, anyway, quick news number two. Jeff Bezos and the wealthy pay a true tax rate of around 3%, whereas the average American is paying 20 to 30%. This should really come as no surprise to people. I mean, I was pretty surprised when I read this. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. We have billionaires being taxed at a rate of like 0.1%. Mm. Um, and this at a time when 70% of us are paycheck to paycheck, when the average American makes like $30,000 a year, the average American worker, it might be 40000 but Jeff's got billions. I'm paying 20-30% tax rate on my paycheck. You're paying 20-30%. Jeff Bezos is paying 3 Um Follow-up news. The government has recently announced we will be subsidizing Jeff Bezos uh, $10 billion so that he can go to, to the moon or something because he needs our subsidy. He needs our $10 billion so Jeffy can go to space. I feel like when you're looking at Jeff Bezos, you really see how the American economic system is really just a game. It's a game that you can win, and I feel like Jeff Bezos is like the the prime example of you can win. It this you there are so many of us in this system that are using it to support our livelihoods and you know our families, trying to build futures for ourselves, futures for our you know generations to come after us. But it's 
it's a game that can be won if you have the right friends in the right places and money is that is that fuel to get it going really yeah it's the lubricant it oils up the machine at this point when i see jeff bezos avoiding paying for things getting subsidized i'm sitting here and i'm like this hopefully we never have someone like this again i feel like our hopefully our generation will see this and be like all right after he's dead no more that that's that's like what i hope i hope so but at the same time i'm looking at this and i'm like when you look at the american system how wealth was i idolized you know throughout time jeff bezos won the american uh economic system he he won yeah that i'd say that's fair um this just like it's not even just about Jeffrey. Like, no, no, you know, not. Warren Buffett, Michael Bloomberg, mm-hmm. all of the top uh, wealthiest people in this nation are paying a tax rate of around 2%, mm-hmm. 3%. Um, why? For what? I, what are they doing with their money that's more important than what the average American is doing with theirs? Like, we spend our money on rent, on food, on bills, on trying to buy a house. Jeff Bezos had just bought a $500 million yacht that was so big it has a second supporting yacht. Do you know what we could have done with the what the what the American people could have done with that money? What the government could have done with that money? And we could fund an infrastructure plan for this nation. We could we could America could have the the best infrastructure in the world. I mean, we definitely could end homelessness. More on that in our next episode. Oh yes, that's true. Anyway, we got to keep this running along here. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. <sighs> uh, on average, eighty percent of Walmart employees are on food stamps, and seventy percent of federal aid beneficiaries work full time. Uh, this is this is something that I just wanted to bring some attention to uh, because once the rent moratorium and unemployment benefits end and other federal aid programs that the Democrats have passed end, uh, the American people are going to be right on the brink again. Where is Congress? What are the Democrats doing? Uh, there's just... In the months, like during the height of the COVID pandemic, I believe it was something like one third of Americans couldn't afford to pay their rent or their mortgage. Um, and, and you know, 70, 80 percent of us are still living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, the the average I think the average starting wage at Walmart is like ten dollars an hour across all of the, the federal states. And so we've got this situation where the federal government is basically like subsidizing these huge multi-billion dollar corporations allowing them to pay less than a living wage and then we are picking up the slack for it by paying out in benefits and food stamps and snap and in uh, uh snap i know is like the the food but then there's another one that's like just cash mm-hmm. like we're we're paying for all of that and it's not even that I have a problem with that because I don't. I think that if you need help, you should be able to get it. Of course. But what I do have a problem with is our government is enabling the Walton family. Um, and, and just just to, like a, to, to, to Walmart's biggest competitor, Costco, their average starting wage is like $20 an hour. So Walmart could afford to pay people more. They just don't because the Walton family – needs their big bucks now and and on that point uh when i when i saw this topic i i did a a little bit of light research going into walmart and kind of what their history is and 
Walmart's kind of business model uh, is uh, they dedicate to making a difference in the lives of their customer. And I, I noticed that this business model is very focused on the customer. And we, we've, we've seen that today. You know, if you need anything, you can go to Walmart. You can most likely find it by it'll be cheaper than it is at, you know, Target or Costco for that matter. You know, you can walk in. It's a very it's it's the local economy store. But that is detrimental to when the workers of this economy store happen to be functioning in the same economy that they're helping prop up. You know, so you have these people who obviously are shopping at Walmart Mart too because, you know, that's that's where they work. That's where they see all of their items. I'm not saying every Walmart employee is spending all of their money at Walmart, but at least a fraction of their paycheck is going back into Walmart. It what does that mean when they're not getting paid enough to make a living? You know, and what we're seeing is now this massive American company, a uh, a uh, company that was started in, you know, Arkansas in 1962 isn't able to pay it, pay its American workers enough to make a living well just to be clear they are able to so like um chipotle when they said they were raising their minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour mm -hmm. it raised the 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 total cost of a burrito by 26 cents mm -hmm. uh, mcdonald's they said that if they raised their minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour the big mac would be 10 cents more expensive mm -hmm. so like these companies, they'll they'll do massive cuts to labor to the to to bring down wages by you know to or to keep wages where they are. When in reality, it would cost like a five cent overall price increase to raise wages. Mm. They say they can't do that, but what they can do is give their top executives sixteen million dollar bonuses. They can give the Walton family a golden parachute. The guy who founded Walmart is dead. Yeah, he's gone. His children just suck so much money out of the economy mm. so much of the of the labor produced by walmart employees is just going into the pockets of the walton family why do they deserve it have they earned it or is our tax system written in a way to unfairly benefit the people at the top have you ever seen a rock roll uphill with the power of the federal government it can <laughs> okay okay <laughs> I see your I see your analogy and I I think that just says the most I think all of our topics other than the the very first one really well I guess so just the two topics yeah. really highlight the problem with our economy. Our economy is not shaped to benefit the masses. It never no. it never was. It is shaped to benefit whoever can outthink the tax system really well uh, really it's about who can afford to employ an army of lawyers to find mm. every single tax loophole available there to you, you. um and you know this shouldn't really be surprising to us i can't remember which university did this study but i think it was an ivy league school they did a study recently came out like within the last couple of years that uh, analyzed something like 40 years of american like governmental policy mm. and it found that we're effectively an oligarchy like when the one percent wants something that the fifty percent also want, it's very likely to happen. Mm. But when the you know the mass of people wants a policy enacted and just the top one percent doesn't, 
that policy is so unlikely to be inactive. It's not even funny. Mm. That's why we don't have things like Medicare for all, why we don't have free college, why we don't have a UBI even, because now that poll is popular, even among Republicans. It's because the 1%, the ruling class, the aristocrats, if you will, don't want us to have those things. Um, and I think that makes a good segue into the the final topic of our quick news. Um, JB, you want to take this away? Unless there was more you wanted to say about about oh uh, no 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 you're good. If I'm being completely honest, I forgot what our final topic was. And I <laughs> to go look, at the, look at the doc, like we had more. Um, yeah, I was putting this out of my mind or trying to at least, but I think with all things dark. It's important for us to remember them for what they were and the lives lost. Um, so as of, uh, depending on when you're reading this, a few days to a few weeks ago, probably about two weeks after the ceasefire was agreed upon, Israel broke the ceasefire agreement by bombing the Gaza Strip. Now, this isn't something we should be surprised about. Like we said in our last episode, this conflict is, it's not new. And it's not something that is going to go away overnight, but it is horrific, yeah. to say the least. Like like we said before, the army forces between Israel and Palestine, they do not compare in the slightest. Um, while uh, Israel was breaking the ceasefire agreement, um, there was a some sort of march uh i couldn't find exactly what sort of march it was but what came out of it was um a uh, a chant for uh death to arabs while holding up a israeli flag i would say that this could probably be like a like a parallel to i think it's charlottesville mm-hmm. where we had all of those white supremacists carrying tiki torches yep. uh like how would you feel if a bunch of Canadians broke, like, stormed into Michigan, carrying flags, the Canadian flag, carrying burning torches, chanting death to Americans, and, like, no, that's not, like, what if the entire rest of the world, to get the idea of the power disparity between Israel and the U.S. versus Palestine? I don't even think we can, we can see that power disparity as people living in the U.S. We have been so used to being at the top of any gunfight you know that's what the u.s is at its core is you know putting enough money into the military that nobody can tell us what to do so the idea of being completely hopeless and at the mercy of someone else and someone else's weapons uh, as a as a young american i don't think i can fully understand that concept on on a on a you know, national level. Yeah. I can understand it on a personal level, um, you know, being affected by, you know, different aggressors in, in any manner of life. But to have an entire country be actively outgunning you. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I do want to mention is that uh, the, this is coming two days after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was ousted. So uh, this new leader of the government, I believe his name is uh, Yair Lapid, is that is we've got this written down. This is the foreign minister. I'm not sure if this is the name of the new guy. I think it is yeah. uh, Yair Lapid. I'm probably butchering that. But uh, this is most likely just like um, 
just uh, them trying to to reaffirm their their grip on the region. It's the new leader trying to say, "Hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go easy on you guys." Mm-hmm. Uh, he still they do not support the idea or the existence of a Palestinian state. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember a couple of years ago when Kim Jong Un first took power, everybody was really worried that he was gonna do something crazy mm-hmm. to like establish that he was the new ruler and that he was uh, still a tyrant. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of like what's happening right now in Israel. This mm-hmm. new government is trying to establish that it's still a terror in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to, not not necessarily important, but key to highlight that this new, uh, the foreign minister, he he denounced the, the chant, you know, death to heirs, when when this was happening as as they started bombing the Gaza Strip again. He, he was denouncing it. But it's important to remember, classically, you know, actions speak louder than words. He's denouncing death to Arabs while actively Killing sitting Arabs. by and watching his government launch launch surprise attacks into the Gaza Strip. I there were a, a an a, an activist I follow on Instagram actively takes um, stories. He he follows the this conflict as well, and he takes stories from uh, Palestinians inside the Gaza Strip. They you know it's it's just the middle of the night they're waking up to missile fire they're praying it's a nightmare but they know it's not kids are waking up screaming because you're just sleeping the night away and then there's missiles two blocks away yeah like uh it cannot be stated enough the gaza strip is basically an open-air prison it is one of the most densely populated regions in the world there are seven hundred thousand people in like a little two by two square mile strip of land that uh, five out of the six borders are controlled by Israel and the last border is controlled by Egypt, an ally of Israel. So Israel controls what goes in and what goes out. Palestinians in the Gaza Strip are not allowed to leave and and Israel just is firing rockets into into this little strip of land, like literally shooting fish in a barrel. It's disgusting. It is in fact. And I think it's this also comes back to you know who who you know because you might be asking why isn't the U.S. stepping in to do anything? Well, the U.S. is an ally of Israel. Well, to do anything against it, Israel would be anti-Semitic. Exactly. Clearly. Um, I think that's it for us with the quick news. Uh, if you enjoyed this little quick segment, us coming at you with a few light topics uh, and a few heavier ones near the end. Let us know. Uh, We always are looking to hear new feedback. Uh, But for now, I've been JBW. I've been Anthony Miller. And this has been your quick news with TMI. We'll see you later. Take care.